Strava Crafts Coffee is a rich CBD-infused coffee that you can purchase in K-cups for your Keurig, whole bean, or pre-ground. It is great stuff. The CBD infusion will really help you out with uh, a myriad of things. It helps everyone with different stuff. So make sure you try Strava Craft Coffee. Use the code DNVR20 to get 20% off your purchase. And then they'll send that package of Strava Craft Coffee straight to your door. I know uh, a lot of our listeners have just started on the Strava Craft Coffee grind and it is getting great reviews from them. So make sure you check out Strava Craft Coffee today. the DNVR Broncos podcast presented by MSU Denver Online. MSU Denver Online puts a dynamic education at your fingertips without forcing you to decide between earning a degree and living your life. MSU Denver is the Colorado institution providing rigorous and affordable online programs taught by professors who bring the real world into the classroom. Head to msudenver.edu online to check out everything they have to offer. They have 40 plus online and hybrid programs and 750 total classes. Head to msudenver.edu slash online to check out all the stuff they have to offer. It's a really awesome program they're running over there and uh, they support us. So if you're looking to further your education, no better place to go than MSU Denver online. And right now couldn't be a better time to get that degree that you were, uh, you've been waiting on. All right. Welcome into the podcast, May Sack. Good morning. Good morning, morning, and boy, there's never a better time to be on with you two. In the morning or just <laughs> today? Ever. You know, oh. there's never, never a better time. Never a better time. Oh, it's, it's, a, it's a watch party day. It's a DMVR lounge day. I mean, it's a big day going on here, Zach. It's an, I mean, it's an everything day. We got a little mock draft coming up, episode two. Let's go. Yeah, great day, and uh, if you haven't heard, today we are uh, officially launching the DNVR Lounge, which is something that listeners have been clamoring for for a while, so we're really, really excited to uh, to be finally making that happen. It's a chat room, it's a forum, it's whatever, you know, you think uh, is a great place to connect with the rest of the DNVR family. It's it's interesting, for all this time, it's, it's almost surprising to me that we've been able to build such an amazing community, really just using social media channels um, and all these people, you know, becoming friends and developing all these relationships without something like this. And I think that now that we're actually going to have this, uh, this lounge for DNVR members to actually go in and connect with each other directly, I think we're going to see a lot more friendships bud and a lot more relationships and uh you know uh, we're really going to see this take the community to the next level you know someone in our slack last night said when does the first marriage happen because of this (laughs) and and i want to take it a a step further when does the first marriage happen 
at the DNVR bar oh, because wow. of the lounge. Yep. At least the, maybe the reception can be at the bar. <laughs> exactly. Or, or we could do uh, we could do the wedding. Oh, they're like all the um, people that I invite are down in the bar and the in the wedding <laughs> ceremony is taking place up uh, up in the uh, the perch there. With the Here I was backdrop. thinking they just have the city park wedding and then come to the bar for the reception. That that'd be my call. <laughs> that works too. That works too. Get married uh, right there in city park, or you could go where where the parade was. Go to a civic center park. Yep, you could, or just on on Colfax. I'm sure there's plenty of places right there. Uh, yes, probably yes. a, a uh, drive-through uh, chapel <laughs> or something. Uh, all right. Well, what I want to—I've been having this thought lately that we are talking maybe a little too much about wide receiver and tackle for the Broncos at 15, or just in the first round. And there's two guys that I think could really be in play here that maybe we aren't discussing enough. And those two guys are Derek Brown and Javon Kinlaw. And as I think about the way the Broncos are building this team and what they have to do, which is figure out a way to beat the Chiefs, I keep coming back to that San Francisco 49ers defensive line and how with they had four but with four really good dudes up front there, they were able to not win, but slow down Mahomes to a point that they had a chance to win if they just had a better quarterback. So what do you guys think of the idea of, uh, of going defensive line in the first round and putting together a line that would consist or a pass rush that would consist of Bradley Chubb, Shelby Harris, Derek Brown or Javon Kinlaw, Jarrell Casey and Von Miller. You're telling me you want an, ultimate dude defensive <laughs> line yes <laughs> you know what i i i would be okay with that um because like you said just the danger that you could have on that defensive line and i really think we need to focus in on one name and that's javon kinlaw because he has a, a great opportunity to be there for the broncos at 15 and if he's there let's say the draft fell a similar way that it did in our first mock draft that we had on Tuesday, except for Javon Kinlaw being there at 15. I know he was taken at 13 by the 49ers, but let's say everything else felt the same. To me, there's a pretty clear gap between him and the rest of the players in terms of best available. So I think that that, that would actually make a lot of sense. You go best player available, and it's not at a dire position of need, and it's not even a position of need this year. But you look, Drell Casey is over 30 years old. Uh, Shelby Harris is on a one-year deal. So it, it's a position of need for the future, for sure. So it would not be a bad pick. And the only reason I say, let's just focus, or I'm only going to focus on Javon Kinlaw for the most part, is I just, I don't see any situation in which uh, in which Brown's there. I think if, if Javon Kinlaw is there and the receivers and the tackles we talked about weren't, then he has to be the pick. And if in our mock draft, the 49ers had not taken him, I would have taken him at 15 and been very happy with it. The thing that changes if you take Javon Kinlaw or Derek Brown, although I think the chances of Derek Brown sliding that far are infinitesimal, the thing that changes is because you still have to focus on finding at least one receiver, if not two, an interior offensive lineman who can step in and potentially start right away, a tackle that can be ready no later than 2021, 
I think this might take you out of trading two of your threes for a second round pick because at that point you still need all four of those second day picks in my opinion. Yeah, that's interesting. Um, and I think you got, you're, you're probably on the right track there, Zach saying that Derek Brown won't fall, but there has been um, a lot of highly touted defensive line prospects in the last five or so years that get drafted up there in the, in the top that don't pan out. And I'm wondering if there's a little bit of, uh, of worry from the top teams in terms of drafting a highly touted defensive lineman up there that could cause him to fall. Now, of course, that could also be a bad thing for the Broncos if they take him and he doesn't pan out. But I'm wondering if there's a chance that teams up there are saying, eh, we don't feel comfortable going with this big guy up front because a lot of other teams that have done that have run into problems. Well, and on top of that, you know, there could be a, a bigger run on quarterbacks than we even projected in our first mock draft. There could be a Jordan Love taken in the top 10, in the top 15. Uh, they, and then also add that up with the run on tackles and the run on wide receivers. And then let's say someone gets sneaky and takes Javon Kinlaw before Derek Brown. Then, then sure, th there could be a chance that he falls uh, for, for a few reasons. I just don't think that, that it will. Uh, but there is a chance that definitely Javon Kinlaw or Derek Brown could be there for the Broncos. Yeah. And I think, I actually think I like Kinlaw a little bit better. Um, and that's maybe a hot take, at least for the Broncos. Um, Why? Uh, he's more disruptive in the passing game. And because of that, like, like I said, you know, I've been saying this, since when we since we went to the Senior Bowl last year, every move you make has to be with Patrick Mahomes in mind, and um, I think because I think because he's a little bit more disruptive in the passing game, like I think he has like a, maybe like a Chris Jones type ceiling. Um, that then I think I would prefer Hinlaw, even though Derek Brown is like a plug and play. And I was talking with Andre yesterday and he's just like, you put Derek Brown in the middle and unless something goes wrong, you're just, you're good against the run. Like, like he's plugging up the middle. But then I think like, does, doesn't Vic Fangio feel like you can do that with anyone since he just plugged in Mike Purcell? But then Andre comes back and he's like, yeah, but they, you know, tried to throw a bunch of money at DJ Reader, who is much more a run stopper than anything else. So trying to like, you know, I'm playing like Vic Fangio, uh, psychology here trying to figure out what the heck is going on in his head but for me I like the fact that Kinlaw is just a bit more disruptive in the passing game remember when I told you guys like I, I'm doing a project and this was pre-Drew Locke I was like I'm doing a project I'm watching all uh the top quarterback prospects this week and coming back with a report yep well that week Georgia played South Carolina and I came away from that game being like Jake Brom sucks but Javon Kinlaw that guy's the truth <laughs> it's funny because we watched that game I think we came with, up with two different opinions on Jake Fromm because I watched that game and I'm like man Georgia must have the worst offensive coordinator live because the play calling was atrocious yeah but he also <laughs> threw three interceptions to the same guy in that game yeah uh but anyways I just think that there that that, that this is a position that is maybe being overlooked a little bit well yeah and I think that that it is a position that the Broncos could draft. Now, it does just feel like 
too much of a luxury because there's this massive, massive hole at wide receiver two and wide receiver three. Uh, there's a pretty darn big hole at interior offensive line. And we know, I mean, the, the hole is pretty big at offensive tackle as well. And like Mace was saying, if you don't go one of those positions in the first round, specifically tackle or wide receiver, it puts you in a tough spot, not just not being able to trade, but it forces you to take guys with that second round pick with those third round picks. Uh, and, and that that's not necessarily the worst thing. Cause it's not like there's only four wide receivers in this draft and you're, you're hosed. If, if you end up with the fifth one in the second round, you're going to get a very good player. It just really, really puts you in a hole. And John Elway has done a good job of not putting himself in that hole on the defensive line by re-signing Shelby, by uh, tagging Purcell and by, and by um, trading uh, for Casey that it just seems like that's not the direction they would go. However, let's say worst case scenario happens and the draft falls similar to the way it did, except for Javon Kinlaw being in there, then you know what? You, you turned a pretty bad situation into a good one by getting that type of player. Maybe this is also where if you're rolling the dice on what the 2021 draft is going to look like, if college football season is substantially altered, maybe this is a scenario where if, you are taking Kinlaw at 15, you are talking about picking up an extra first or second round pick this year by sacrificing capital from the 2021 draft in order to do it. Yeah, I, you know, I, I, did you guys talk about yesterday, uh, Mike Kliss's little Easter egg that he dropped? No. So Kliss kind of, uh, I don't know, passively dropped us a little scoop yesterday by saying, um, first step for the Broncos is setting up their home offices and getting ready for the draft. Second step for the Broncos is trying to get a pick between their first round pick and their second round pick. Mm. And I think I know how Zach and I feel about this. Uh, Mace, what do you think of that uh, prospect? Well, is he talking about he said the first and second between the picks, which is interesting because that would imply that he's not talking about turning that second round pick with a third rounder into a late first rounder. That would mean you're talking about extra. And I think that could be an anticipation of where, of uh, where people expect the next year or so to go in terms of college football and what the draft might look like. Because the thing that would probably take the biggest hit in the 2021 draft class if there is a modified or no college football season at all, God forbid, the thing that takes the biggest hit is the early entries in next year's draft because you're not going to have as many guys because, frankly, some of those guys won't have the same chance that they would have had in a normal season to get onto the field, and so that might depress the draft class a little bit. So it actually, in any other scenario, any other set of circumstances – I, this is not the type of deal I'd be making this year, though, and especially in a draft where there's a lot of depth and a lot of quality going, in, going well into day two, and this actually might make some sense. It, it might make not, no sense other years, but it might make sense this year. Yeah, for me, it makes sense any year. Uh, if you ask me at any time, would you rather have one first, two seconds, and one third? or one first, one second, and three thirds, I'll take the two seconds all day, every day. Um, yeah. So 
to me, if they're able to package two thirds together to get up into the top of the second round, yeah, that uh, that's something I'd be all over. Now, but I, is that something you can afford to do if, say, the scenario we laid out happens and you've taken Javon Kinlaw early? I think that's the question I have. To me, I think I can afford to do it even more. I almost might need to do it now so I can get into the top of the second round to get you know a Brandon Ayuk or someone like that who is still on the board, or maybe Denzel Mims is still around there. Um, so I guess it just depends on what the way the board looks, but. Then, you know, like we've talked about, maybe you get uh, the tackle out of Auburn. Maybe you go and uh, attack the center position with Cushenberry with that original second-round pick. So, like, if you tell me you get three picks in, what is it, the top 46? Yeah, yep. I'm, I'm, tell- like, I- I'm just saying, like, right now, like, yeah, I'm, all right, cool. I can uh, take best player available at 15 and then go plug two places that I need at we'll say 33 and 46 now if you go by the draft value chart let's just go through the three picks the broncos have in the third round at 77 that's 205 points 83 is 175 95 is 120 so conceivably you could take 77 and 83 and that's 380 points that would be worth the 52nd pick Okay, so, so that's, let's. So that's let's, not between mm-hmm. fifteen and forty-six. So you may you have to start thinking of what you can do to kind of sweeten that and and move up. And uh, well, that Mace, might how high do you honestly get? it would prop to get into say the range of pick thirty-eight, thirty-nine. The cost in terms of draft pick capital is all of your threes. And where do you get? 38 or 39? Yeah, 77, 205, 83, 175. So that's 380. And then 120 points for the 95th overall pick. That's 500. That is the equivalent of the 40th overall pick currently owned by the Houston Texans. There you go. Now, are you okay with that? Because now you have one first round pick, two second round picks, and you have no third round picks. Personally, I'm okay with it, but it makes it imperative that you don't mess up any of those picks you, you can't mess them up because in one of those picks you're getting a wide receiver if you go best player available and let's say land a kinlaw in round one and then you're going offensive line and those two players need to start and be good in year one i yeah, yeah i'm not okay with it if it's if you don't if you haven't gotten wide receiver offensive tackle in the first round if it goes the way we described with javon kinlaw falling to 15 I feel good about it, but I can't make that deal because the first three picks ideally need to be some combination of receiver, tackle, and an interior offensive lineman with the receiver and the interior O lineman being pegged to start right away. Yeah, I think, you know, that's a, a de- that's a good nuance take there. If you're able to, you know, get Jerry Judy at 15, well, now you can kind of get greedy um, mm-hmm. the rest of the way. Uh, I will say this. I would probably rather find a different package than all three of my third round picks this year. Um, you know, maybe maybe a three next year. Maybe it's right. two threes this year and a three next year. Yeah, something like that, or a, you know, two uh, two threes, a four, and a six. And maybe that's too much too. But you know, just I, I probably don't want to just send them all three of my threes. I'll come up with a different package that just keeps me in the third round. Um, 
but still makes that move. I also, you know, the trade value chart is a, is a really nice resource for conversations like this, but the trades don't always add up. Uh, you know, last year, the Broncos on the trade value chart uh, killed the Steelers on that trade back. So it's not all, it's, it, you know, I, I think not every GM looks at that and says, if it doesn't add up on the trade value chart, then I don't want to do the deal. Well, what happens in the first round sometimes is that to move up, there's usually a premium that goes beyond the chart. Mm-hmm. And the Broncos, to their credit last year, were able to take advantage of that. And, and that's and now if the Broncos do try to move up in round one, it runs the risk of working against them, where in terms of the point value, they don't get back what they're giving up in order to move up. And that's why even though – in point value, you say, okay, well, they could go from 15 to 11 for, you know, for the cost of a third-round pick and a fourth-round pick. The reality is that getting from 15 to 11 might cost them a bit more. It might cost them two third-rounders instead of just one, Might even with even maybe a day three uh, pick thrown in there as well. Sure. Um, okay. So – most of us would do that trade or in under the right circumstances, we would do that trade. I, I, I think I love the fact that they're trying to do it. My question is why do they not, why can't they just do that deal today? Why does this stuff always wait until draft day? Well, that's something that I'm very curious if that's going to change this year with the remote stuff. Mm-hmm. And that's something that I actually want to ask John Elway uh, when we get to talk to him before the draft is have trade conversations already begun just because of this unusual situation and specifically have, have you started having trade conversations because it's exactly right, Ryan, if you have 10 minutes, which the NFL says right now, at least they're not going to change the amount of time you have on the clock and you have to, you know, make a call to Vic Fangio and then go back and forth that you have to do a lot more steps in order to feel comfortable with the trade. I wouldn't be surprised if a few trades are done a couple of days before the draft. And I guess a yeah, big the, Bron- part of the Broncos this- used to make a make a lot of trades before the, the days before the draft. I remember back in the mid two thousands when Mike Shanahan was effectively running the show. It wasn't the GM, but uh, it was his show. They actually made uh, trades involving first round picks. I believe in consecutive years. Uh, I believe they did that in the days before the draft. Like in 05, for example, they traded out of the first round entirely. And they did it four days before the draft. Yeah, I I like that idea. The only I guess the thing is every team wants to see how the board falls, you know, like uh, a team might want, might not want to trade out of their 39th pick right now because they're still holding on hope. Oh, that guy that we really like in the first round, he might still be there at 39. So, and then as soon as he's gone, then they say, all right, John, let's do it. You know, so they might be putting the parameters in place right now. Of, okay. We have a guy and they're not going to tell who it is, but Hey, we have a guy who we're targeting at 39. If he's not there, then, you know, let's do this trade. And this is where it might look a little different than past years because one thing that usually takes place at the owners' meetings, which is also where all the coaches and GMs gather, is that is where the groundwork for a lot of these draft pick trades gets laid because you can look around uh, those meetings and you see uh, you you see long conversations between GMs I've seen John Elway around those meetings talking with it seems like uh, 25 30 percent of the GMs in the league and a lot of those conversations there and also when they're sitting down their meetings are about feeling each other out to try to figure out okay this is what you're looking for maybe it might lead to a deal so I wonder how the lack 
of that in-person interaction because the league meetings were canceled is going to affect trades that are made over the next few weeks because the groundwork is often laid there in Palm Beach or Phoenix or wherever they have the meetings. Well, Ryan, it really reminds me of what you're uh, of what you're saying. And back to 2018, when the Broncos had a trade in place with the Buffalo Bills for the Bills to move up and presumably choose Josh Allen at number five, assuming that the Browns were going to select Bradley Chubb with that fourth overall pick. The deal was in place, but the Broncos didn't pull the trigger until uh, you know they saw that Bradley Chubb was off the board. And of course, we know that Bradley Chubb was not off the board. There was no trade finalized, so the Broncos said, nope, sorry, we're not doing that trade. Broncos were presented with a scenario that despite having months to prepare for, <laughs> they had, quote, never considered. <laughs> and so then they panicked, and it's fine because they ended up with Bradley Chubb, at least we think. You know, we always talk about Bradley Chubb as a great player. We still don't have any concrete evidence of that. Um, so We know he's a very good player. We saw that as a rookie. He had one of the best seasons for any rookie pass rusher in the last 30 years. So we know he's there. I think it's whether he takes the next step to be truly transcendent. And that's kind of what you expect when you're picking that high as somebody who can change a franchise, especially when he's at one of the core four positions. That being said, I, I'm kind of with you. I They do their mock drafts, but I can't figure out how they had no mock draft scenario that had Bradley <laughs> Chubb at number five because it seemed obvious to everyone this was a possibility because you figured that the Browns were going to go Denzel Ward for not Bradley Chubb. Well, again, I mean, you only had to fill four spots. Yeah. <laughs> you literally could have just like built a computer program that had every possible first or second round pick going in front of you there. And you could have gone through all those scenarios in probably a day. Either they lying or what they doing. <laughs> I think in the end, they were trying to, to play up how great of a pick it was. Yeah. Um, and there's just no way that they did that. <laughs> over the fact, like the fourth best player being there at five. I hope not. I, I hope they didn't pass that up. Uh, okay. And, well, and I hope that I hope that they're doing mocks where Derek Brown falls to them at 15 or Javon Kinlaw falls to them at 15, where Jerry Judy falls to them at 15. You know, I understand if Joe Burrow isn't falling them to, to, to them to 15 and any of the mocks, but I mean, come on. They, even J or Derek Brown should be falling to you in one mock. Yes, just be prepared for everything. You have you have months to prepare for this stuff. Yes. Um, and they should be preparing also. The one I'd like to see them prepare for is if Isaiah Simmons somehow falls past four and is sitting there at eight or nine. And I want them to prepare to think about trading up. Wow. Yeah, that, again, prepare for everything. Yes, because um, he's a transcendent player. And when you are stocking up your – cabinet and fridge as you're preparing for everything make sure you get some Breckenridge brews hit up drizzly hit up the farmhouse order yourself a 15 pack sampler from Breckenridge brewery they've got the strawberry sky in there they've got the colorado core in there uh, vanilla porter juniors uh, avalanche and then i think the lager is the fifth one that's in there uh regardless if they just sent you a random pack of five or a random pack of 15 that are just laying around, you're going to enjoy them all. They're all great beers. I've yet to have a Breckenridge brew that I didn't enjoy. So make sure you hit them up. 
make sure you order some food from the farmhouse in Littleton, which puts out some fantastic grub. 303-803-1380 if you want to order for them. If you order some food, you can add on beers uh, at a discount. It's a really sweet deal out there. So hit up Breck Brew and uh, enjoy yourself some brewskis. And speaking of being prepared for everything, you need to manscape because you never know when your time is going to come around, when you need to be fresh down there. And not only you guys know about the Lawnmower 3.0 and how it's quiet and how it has 7,000 RPMs, but also their advanced skin safe technology makes it so those family jewels stay nick free when you're working down there. Even if you want it pretty short down there, it is perfect. And also speaking of perfect, the Perfect Package 3.0 kit comes with everything you need. The Lawnmower 3.0, uh, it is the Crop Preserver, Crop Reviver. It comes with everything that you absolutely need. So make sure to check out Manscaped. And guys, now is the time. If you're on the fence about uh, purchasing this, now's the time to do it because this is the time that it will help us the most. So we please ask you, if you're on the fence, use that code DNVR20 for 20% off your entire purchase plus free shipping. You support the family jewels and you support us. Absolutely. And uh, I, could, I can't stress that last part you said there uh, enough, Zach. Uh, you know, this is, a, this, could be really, this is a really awesome partnership for us and we want to keep them around. So uh, if you're thinking of, uh, of mowing the lawn, then hit up Manscaped. They will get you right. I, you won't regret it. Once you've used the right tool for that job, you'll wonder why you ever were using the wrong one. All right, let's jump into the questions here. And Mace, the first one has your name all over it. Yes, our good friend, the Count, chiming in. Something that what really chaps my hide, Mace will get that, is at the pace at which we thro fans throw shade at players for sucking or being garbage, etc. When upset about our team's performance, shouldn't we, excepting, of course, with ne'er-do-wells like AB or major slackers, look at the bigger picture. RK. The surface of the sun stuff is in good fun, I know, but is it Joe's fault that Los Broncos came calling with a $20 million bill burning a hole in their side swooshes? Is it Bulls or Yadams or Voices' fault the team drafted them too high? By and large, footballers are men who have toiled their whole lives to be considered to play on elite levels. Very few of these Praetorians suck. Our ranker, I believe, should in general be pointed to coaches with bad schemes slash game plans, coaches who don't coach the players' ability slash bad front office decisions slash bad drafts slash bad scouts slash poor bad GM coach choices slash leadership, etc. In a hierarchical system such as the NFL, shouldn't insults be reserved for the costumes at the top, the ones putting bad putting players in bad positions, etc. In this time of humanism, I think we need to remember that even though a man may have lost as a fantasy game or even an actual game, it's generally not the feet of said player, or not just at the feet of said player. Take the Raheem Moore play, and I've been guilty of trashing his name, and for this, I'm sorry. Why was he in that position in the damn first place? Mace, tell the people if they don't already remember what happened to get us to that point. Let's be more kind. Love the count. So, fair points on all accounts. Um, but there, I guess there's one, um, variable that is being ignored, which is that some of these guys don't do everything they can to be the best player they can be. And that is when usually these guys end up on the, on the chopping block. Paxton Lynch, you know, it is John Elway's fault that Paxton Lynch happened, but 
And again, you could put this on John Elway for not uncovering this in the pre-draft process, but maybe, you know, he did a really good job of, of keeping it covered. The biggest problem with Paxton Lynch, and I think what held him back more than anything, is that he wasn't a grinder. And you cannot succeed as an NFL quarterback if you aren't a grinder. You've got to be in the building before the sun comes up and out after the sun goes down. That, that's the way it is. Uh, and as for Joe Flacco, like you said, it is all, it, all in good fun. But I will say this. Joe Flacco wouldn't have ended up on everyone's you-know-what list if he just showed a little passion. I mean, he had – from the start, and, and at the time this was kind of a silly joke, but when you put it into the grand scheme of things, like Joe Flacco had to be shamed into simply putting a Broncos picture on his Twitter page. Like, he, it never felt like he had any passion for being a Denver Bronco, for being the quarterback of that team, and that's why – he ended up, uh, you know, being so disliked around here. Joe's Joe. Joe's Joe. Joe's Joe cool. Good, good uh, overall message, though, Count, about let's just be more kind. I, I think that's definitely a good message for, for the entire world. Yeah, and I would say this. It's sometimes it's also not a matter of questioning whether they work hard, but, it's, you know, for Garrett Bowles, for example, it's not just the holding penalties it's the way he carries on after the holding penalties with the gesture of what did I do? And then after the game, you know, kind of blaming the officials for that, like he did following uh, the bears game. Honestly, that stuff bothers me more than the penalties themselves. Yeah. you know, a lot of like an example of someone who wasn't very good, but handled everything the right way was uh, Joe Mays. Mm. Like, like he's, I've heard stories from uh, Brandon Spano who just said like, yeah, he would, He'd talk to us after a game or in the middle of the week and be like, man, I, I don't know what the hell I was doing on that. (laughs) You know, like accountability actually goes a long way in terms of public perception. And Raheem Moore, who was mentioned by the count there, he took responsibility too. I mean, that, that dude was in tears after that game. Yeah. I've I've never seen a guy. I've never seen a guy that was so down on himself to that point the next time I saw a player so down on himself for a mistake and putting the blame on him, remember CJ Anderson after he had that fumble against Cincinnati in 17 and he was crying in the locker room after that. Yeah. The Raheem Moore thing is like one of those crimes that no amount of, uh, of remorse can get you off the hook from like, (laughs) this is not a one for one comparison. So don't crucify me here. But like, if you rob a store and then you say you feel really bad about it and you'd never do it again, people (laughs) might give you the benefit of the doubt. Uh, if you kill someone and say you feel really bad about it, then uh, no, no one, uh, no one feels quite bad for it. Like I said, it's yeah. not a fair comparison. <laughs> uh, I but, know. But in terms of football crimes, costing your team a football game when they were going to win the Super Bowl is the is like the uh, the equivalent. It's a it's a you you murdered those people's dreams. But the count made a good point. Why was the team in position in the first place? The thing about that game was. There were 10 things that had to happen in a pretty precise order to set up Raheem Moore being in that position. 10 things over the course of the game. Any one of them goes in the Broncos' favor. He's not sitting there having to, having to be in a scenario where Jacoby Jones can get behind him. So a lot, totally. a lot went into losing that game. Totally. This whole conversation, especially revolving Joe Flacco, just makes me – all I've been thinking this whole time is – John, you didn't have to say he was in his prime. prime. You didn't have to. Not entering his prime. Not in oh. his prime. Entering his prime. 
Oh. You know, so he was entering his prime. Yes. He played uh, 12 games? Eight. Eight. Oh, yeah. Eight games. Oh, I forgot about Brandon Wait, we Allen. had the Brandon Allen. <laughs> wow, Brandon oh. Allen. Quite forgettable. Uh, okay, so he was in his prime. He played eight games, and he'll never start another game in the NFL. Short prime. <laughs> Certainly was. At least he'll never start one on purpose. Right. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> AZ for Broncos checking in. What is the latest on the NFL Sunday ticket? I absolutely hate DirecTV. Their product is so dated and overpriced. I'm really hoping I will be able to get the ticket some other way soon. Well, uh, you might have to wait a little bit because there was a, there was a window when there could be an opt-out and the parties could go in different directions, but uh, that window appears to have passed. It looks like DirecTV will be providing Sunday ticket for 2020. And actually the contract is an eight year deal that goes through 2022. Now there are things they can revisit on that, but right now it looks like direct TV is uh, what you're going to have to go through. The good news is we have direct TV at the DNVR bar and yes, we have Comcast so we can get PAC 12 network as well. So let's go. And of course that means because you have direct TV, you also get altitude. Exactly. Of so course. every, that one every a, game, that's huge. That was a non-starter, but yeah. yeah. <laughs> From R.D. Dollywall, in my experience, I think the answer to my question depends on your age. My kids say no, but I'm a definite yes. Is Pluto a planet? Yes. Yes. Once you're a Hall of Famer, they don't take you out of the Hall of Fame. Once you're a planet, <laughs> they don't revoke that status in my book. Yes, like I always say, once a buff, always a buff. Once a planet, always a planet. (laughs) Boucher all day. Thinking hypothetically, if you could trade all your third-round picks and your first-round pick for San Francisco's 13th and 31st picks, would you do it? You're essentially trading up for a top receiver and then a top interior lineman deep in the first, giving giving you both a fifth year option on them. The trade value is actually worse for the 49ers based on the draft value chart, but they could be desperate enough to get some draft capital with them having nothing between the first and fourth rounds. It would suck to not have any third rounders, but it's extremely valuable that premium starters at their positions, especially with third rounders being more of a gamble. Quick side question. Who would you guys draft in the first and second rounds in that situation? So this gives you 13, 31, 46. Earlier we were talking about 15, 39, 46, and we were close to the fence. To me, this is a no brainer deal. You do it? Yep. Let's oh, say you're ripping them off. This is a hundred percent no brainer. Let's say that all the receivers and all the tackles are gone by thirteen. So there is a Javon Kinlaw there if you want. Are you did, does that situation change your mind? Say it again. So the, the top receivers and top tackles are gone by the thirteenth pick, and that's when you make this move or you have the opportunity to make this move. And put Javon Kinlaw's there. It's not like there's no one there. Are you still making the move? No, probably not. Okay. Uh, well, so it does yeah, have actually, to be. You do, you do make the move because you still just dominated them in terms of value on that trade. <laughs> I think the, the more valid question here and the more realistic one is, would you trade your second and one of your thirds for pick 31? Second and one of your thirds for pick. Yeah, 31. absolutely. The value actually lines up. The Niners get a little bit of an edge, but if you if you trade forty six and eighty three, then you're giving them 
615 points of value for 600 points of value with a 31st pick. And then the Niners could just kind of ship you a, a fifth round pick to make no, up the difference. No, they can keep that fifth round pick, but uh, yeah. You, I'm, I'm, you, have no, I'm abs- you have no use for the day three picks. That's, <laughs> that's where smart teams make hay. Oh, it's where, it's where John always actually done pretty well, but yes, I'm doing that deal in a heartbeat. Yeah. I mean, you, you're essentially moving up 15 spots for the cost of a third round pick. Yeah. A hundred percent. I'm doing that deal. And, and that actually, that's a pretty fair deal for both sides. Yeah. Um, I like this 13, 31 and 46 though. That's well, yeah, this is a rip. This is this deal being offered. You're, you're acting like you have to think about it, but then you're, you're putting them on hold and you're laughing and you're high-fiving. <laughs> yeah. Yes. You're doing the vir- Vic and John With are doing no the virtual one. high fives over their <laughs> zoom chat or Microsoft teams or whatever on iPad. And like, yeah, we're, but, and then you, everyone calms down and then John Lynch puts him back on speaker and says, I accept. It's sort of like in uh, you guys saw Moneyball, right? Yeah. Yeah. When they, you know, when they get off the, they're, they're keeping their composure and they get off the phone and they're just pumping their fists like mad. Mm-hmm. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> yeah. That, yeah. That's a good deal. That's a good deal. That's and a great deal. <laughs> the only problem is the Broncos and 49ers didn't exchange any coaches this year. So we probably won't be able to rip them off in a deal like that. <laughs> <laughs> Oklahoma. Oklahoma Bronco 58 saying my evaluation of the first mock draft first DNBR mock draft we have to be trading with Arizona Jacksonville or Cleveland if we want to get the guy we want like y'all's mock played out the top offensive tackles and wide receivers will be long gone so we need to be aggressive in this draft I do believe Elway will be aggressive to get his guy in the draft because he recognizes this is our biggest window currently with the defense still elite and the offense on the rise under lock package the first two-thirds to move up to eight nine or ten to get judy lamb rugs were for thomas this is an aside but rk's pick of cd to jacksonville is the only one that didn't make sense to me in the first mock they have dj chark and dd westbrook along with chris conley and i don't see wide receiver being a route they go and find it more likely that, that they go after cj henderson or christian fulton at cornerback also i just want to give a huge props to timmy for making the madden league so great and an enjoyable experience for everyone i've met a lot of great dudes through this and i wouldn't have otherwise totally agree with the shout out at the end there yeah i just think the i don't think dj chark and dd westbrook is a scary combination by any means um, no, but- DJ Chark. Yeah, go ahead. Sorry. I was just gonna say DJ Chark is a guy um, who looks like he has star receiver potential, um, but I still think they need to add to that room. Um, obviously, I think they need to fix the quarterback position first and foremost. But I think they're probably gonna try to recreate Minshew mania at least next year. So um, I just I, I thought that that was a pick that made sense for them, and I did. I don't know why. I just have this gut feeling that they really like CD Lamb. Yeah, I I think though while receiver could use another guy, cornerback is just such a mess for them right now, and 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 the Jags do have a habit of picking a lot of Florida guys. They do they love their Gators, historically that franchise does. So C.J. Henderson, I could completely see that. Even though I think that I think he's a reach. I, I'm not enthralled with this cornerback uh, draft this year in round one at all Christian Fulton isn't a good enough tackler CJ Henderson really had some times last year where he struggled he was much better in 2018 I thought than 2019 and I think a team has to kind of get to the bottom of that 
that alone right there is a red flag that makes me think, okay, I'm not going to take him top 10, but I could see the Jaguars still going in that direction just because corner is such a huge, huge need for them right now. The Jags like Florida Gators, but they miss out on the chance of getting the greatest Gator of all. Tim Tebow. Yep. That was the weird, <laughs> that was the weird thing. I, I don't think Jack Del Rio, the head coach at the time, liked Tim Tebow's playing style in any way, shape, or form. Yeah, I don't think John Elway did either, but he, he still brought him to the playoffs. Well, and Yeah, the funny thing, the first game Tim Tebow played as a pro coming off the bench a few snaps, the wild horse formation, was in Jacksonville. And while they did love Tim Tebow, the college quarterback, I did see some T-shirts at that game that said, Tuck Febo on the back of that. <laughs> Must have been Florida State fans. <laughs> Must have been. <laughs> and really quick on the uh, on the mock or on the the mock drafts that we do, um, I absolutely love that we're going to switch it up. And it, every draft is going to play out differently, so make sure you stay tuned to all of them. But did I agree with RK's pick of CD to the Jags? No, but I'm not going to agree with a lot of the picks that are made in the in the first 15 picks. There's going to be uh, ones that everyone's like, okay, yep, of course, of course. Then there's going to be ones that oh, I didn't really expect that. And then there's going to be ones that what are they doing? I mean, the Raiders at four last year, what are they do? Everyone had that reaction. And I didn't have that reaction to an RK pick CD. It wasn't that off the rails, but that, that shows is there's going to be a pick that is way crazier than that. But that's when I knew the at 15 picking for the Broncos, I knew I was in deep, deep trouble. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> um, yeah. Yeah. You mentioned it. And no, I feel like there hasn't been enough talk about the fact that, Everyone had pinned the Raiders to take um, – it was Josh Allen right there, right? Yep. And they didn't. And uh, Cleveland Farrell, I believe, went on a 13- or 14-week sackless streak throughout the season, <laughs> whereas Josh Allen was dominant. Yep. And a lot of people didn't talk about how dominant he was, and a lot of people didn't talk about how bad Cleveland Farrell was. Yep. Yep, no, it, it, for top five picks. Weird. All right, next one here is from Sir James Radio. He says, here's something we can do uh, that's fun for a while. I love jerseys. I plan on owning jerseys for every team of players I like. Each day I'm going to a list of different teams around the league. You guys tell us whose jersey you would get by picking one player from the current roster of that team and one player from its history. Wow, this sounds like a lot of work. Uh, <laughs> also, uh, for bonus fun, since we're all jersey nuts, Name the specific jersey you would like and the color and whatnot. Uh, so he says, starting today at home with our Broncos. Current roster, I'd love a blue Drew Lock. I've always wanted a white Jake Plummer jersey, but sadly, I can't seem to find those these days. Also, if it becomes too annoying at any point in the future, please feel free to just skip this or tell me to stop. How about we just go with the current player one? That way we don't okay. have to start. Like, we know the players uh, on every team right now. I like that. I like that. Uh, current player jersey right now. For me, it's very obviously Drew Locke, but I think it. I mean, I think it has to be Drew Locke. Let's say non-Drew. Uh, Sutton. I'll go, man. Hmm. I guess you go Vaughn. I'll go Vaughn. I'll go. I, I admittedly I'm basing this on guys I like the best personally. Right. I'm going Justin Simmons color rush. 
Nice. Like that. That's like dope. that. Uh, I would go blue as well on Drew Lock for what it's worth. Yeah, I'd go. Give me orange. Orange. Uh, yeah, maybe color rush. Next one coming if, if in. If you're for... going to choose an orange, I think you have to choose the color rush, right? And that's yeah. a better look. Yeah, exactly. Yeah. You got to. Next one from AvsWatch22. Afternoon, gents. Going to make this one quick. Well, we'll see about that. I've been following lots of mock drafts just to see what the people who have the Broncos picks would do. CBS Sports had a particular mock that had them trading up to 11 at the cost of only one of their thirds, but selecting Andrew Thomas over Judy Lamb or Ruggs who are still on the board. My question is if those three receivers are still on the board by 11, do you, do you try to get the jets to trade with you? So you can take one of those top receivers over Andrew Thomas or Makai Becton. I also understand Andrew Thomas is a perfect fit for what we need in the first round. However, I think there are enough linemen available in later rounds so they can draft and work on over the course of the season and develop into starting caliber linemen. I Ben Barch out of St. John's or, would you be more open to taking one of the Thomas Beckton's at 11 or 15 and then LaVisca at 46 slash trade up in the early second, late first love the work you guys are doing as always. And excited to see what the 2020 Broncos look like after the draft and continue to have you guys in the great DNBR community riding along. That's a good question. Avs watch. And uh, first of all, yeah, I'm, I'm, I'm not really open, open to Beckton myself, Andrew Thomas. Absolutely. And, he would be worth a trade-up, but I think, as we've discussed, LaVisca at 46, it sound, that sounds great, but who is the other receiver? I don't think that LaVisca can be the only play at wide receiver if you're taking him, that you need somebody else in there in case the injuries end up persisting for him into the pro career. So I, it's it's sort of like – a in fantasy football, when you make sure you get two running backs from the same team, you kind of go for the handcuff. I'd want to know who LaVisca was handcuffed to at wide receiver. If you told me that the team got LaVisca and Denzel Mims or LaVisca and Devin Duvernay or LaVisca and KJ Hamler or LaVisca and Brandon Ayuk, I think you'd feel pretty good about that. But with LaVisca, the question, all it's always, okay, and who's the other receiver you're bringing in? Yep, you're 100% right, Mason. And Avs watch great comment there. The one thing that I'll say, I really don't think a trade will be happening with the Jets at all. At, Unless you're dealing all. with, you got to make sure you're dealing with Joe Douglas and not Adam Gase, and that Joe Douglas doesn't talk to Adam Gase before they make <laughs> the deal. <laughs> yeah, that's not that's not happening. Uh, so you got to either get above the Jets, or you're not trading with picks 11, which is the Jets, or 12, which is the Raiders. Exactly. Iceman, hey friends, tell Ryan. I missed him. Oh, thanks, Iceman. Ryan, Mace, uh, Iceman misses you. Oh, yes. thanks, Iceman. Thanks, yeah, yeah. thanks, Iceman. Mace, Mims was a good pick. I would have traded with San Francisco for Thomas, giving them 15 in the third round pick of John Lynch's choice. If Jawan James has an issue, holding number 72 can play right tackle. Schlotman can be the swing, and Morris the center, and Drew be better protected. And off we go with John and Vic and Pat. Go, America. <laughs> go, go, go America. <laughs> All right, next one's from Muhammad. I think you got it. That's yep. good. I think that's it. All right. Just wanted to make a quick comment. I think you are vastly overrating the possibility of the nightmare scenario happening. Anyone that's paid attention to the draft their entire life knows that there will be several surprise picks in the top 15. It happens every single year. Well, I guess we haven't paid attention to the draft our entire life. I'd be shocked <laughs> if anyone could tell me. One single time in history where the top 15 picks were basically consensus across the mock universe. 
do yourselves a favor and look at last year's top five. A lot of consensus picks, most even, but Farrell was a shocker. Most had D. Jones to the Giants, but with their second pick, Rashawn Gary with a wild card, Lindstrom was not in the top 15 in any mock I saw. In general, mocks do a good job of setting general positioning, but this is just for Zach. R-E-L-A-X. Relax. There will be surprises. Yeah, yeah. Just like we said uh, just a couple minutes ago, there's going to be surprises. Um, and maybe we will mock a couple of surprises in here. But how do you pick the surprises? That, that, that's the whole thing about them is they are surprises. Yeah, I mean, if I would have said, like, I, I'm going to draft Zach Bond with my fourth overall pick, like, everyone would have just been like, dude, come on, you know? Yeah, yeah. It, yeah. We, we, we want to have fun with these, but we also don't want it to be uh, where every tackle and every receiver is on the board for the Broncos. We want it to be, you know, realistic. Yeah, exactly. Next okay. one coming in from Drew Laka. Hello again, gentlemen. Sorry I'm a day late with this pick, but after RK posted the what is the first day of the week question, I decided the best way to find the answer was to, once again, ask my students what their thoughts were. So after asking 124 Nebraska high school sophomores, here are the results. Drum rolls, 68 said Monday, 55 said Sunday, one actually said Tuesday. When I asked her why, she went into this really long explanation about lunar cycles and astrology that went right over my head. I then had to explain to them that the correct answer was clearly Monday, and any of them that answered different would get an F for the day. Only kidding. After all, I realized that I had upset all of our distance learning time and and did not even discuss a tale of two cities. Some would call it a waste. I would call it a success. <laughs> One quick football question, then I am done. Your first mock draft got me a little bit nervous that we aren't going to get one of our guys. So how high would you say we would have to trade up to get one of the elites at either wide receiver or offensive tackle? And that and, and what would it be realistic and what would be the realistic cost to get up that high? Sorry for the long comments. Thank you for everything you do. I you know what? I I, I was just thinking something here. You know how we talked a lot about how you can watch film anytime, but you only have one week if your coach is to go talk to these prospects? Yep. yep. You can read A Tale of Two Cities anytime. <laughs> but the Sunday versus Monday start of the week discussion, that has to happen right now. Yeah. <laughs> Shows wisely. Good, good job. Good job teaching your kids. I That's am, wonderful. I, first of all, I was flabbergasted at how close the poll was, even though I was glad to be on the championship side. Um, but I, I was first just like, what? I cannot believe that. Like, I thought maybe like 30% of people might think that. But it was – I think the final poll results were 53 to 47 Monday. Uh, I'm even more shocked that high school students who go to class from Monday to Friday every week, no matter what almost, that 55 of them, which is about 40-something percent, said uh, said Sunday is the beginning of the week. I just – I can't wrap my mind around this. And the part that really blew me away was that um, Eric – uh d-line tweeted at adam and said like who like no one wakes up on sunday and and just is just like wow a new week right under like right here we're ready to start a new week and adam was like oh that's exactly how i feel every sunday morning and I just, oh that, wow that blows my mind i can't like, i can't <laughs> wow. comprehend it <laughs> yeah that's a that's a sad life to live in it it's just so weird and i feel like 
to get to a place where I could imagine Sunday being the first day of the week, I have to hit up Mile High Green Cross. <laughs> hit them up, sign up for their loyalty program, and receive 20% off your entire purchase once a month so you can stock up. Tag them, tag them and us when you go there. Let them know that you're showing them love because of us. And get your uh, stash all hooked up and uh, ready to go. So hit up Mile High Green Cross, be in and out in nine minutes, and be ready to convince yourself that Sunday is the first day of the week. <laughs> Next one coming in from Queen City Broncos CLT. I was listening to some draft analysis the other uh, the analysis on another site, and they mentioned the second wide receiver in Pat Shermer's offense, especially when you have a dynamic tight end like Noah Fant, only averages 40 targets a year. If Sutton and Noah Fant end up with 75 to 100 catches each, are we placing too high a value on receiver in the draft? Is it more like Elway prioritizes offensive line or linebacker? By the way, Mace, thanks for set, setting off my Alexa in my office. You're welcome. I, I will confirm. She stated Manning played for the Broncos first, then mentioned the Colts, and then Tennessee. Alexa has spoken. Hi, Alexa. And that, and that just set mine off, too. Oh, my God. Um, <laughs> my parents yell at their Alexa. <laughs> certainly this is a, a typo it's not 40 targets a year it's 40 catches a year right it, it's gotta be right yeah I, I, i'm actually i know for a fact um that that's what it is but there's no way it's 40 targets a year i mean that's you might as well not even put that player out on the field if you're only gonna give them 40 targets in a whole year <laughs> um like but, yeah last year with the with the uh, giants for example they had three receivers each have 83 or more targets, but none of them played all 16 games. Yeah. So that, that's key to note. But uh, the, the targets were, were pretty well spread out, and there were seven guys that had at least 40 targets, including Cody Latimer. Yeah, well, and, and really quick, um, I imagine you're looking at Evan Ingram when you're saying Pat Shermer's offense. Evan Ingram, uh, a very good receiving tight end, but let's look at what he's done the past two years. 64 targets, 45 catches. And then last year, 68 targets, 44 catches. So to expect Noah Fant to pretty much double those numbers, I don't think that that's realistic. But also remember that he missed eight games in 2019, five games in 2018. So if you took his receptions and prorated over 16 games, he'd have 75 catches. Oh, that's, that's a good point. Nice. I just, I just think that they're going to need another third receiver, not just two, even if Noah Fant is one of those receivers. Yeah. yeah. You, you, you got to add to the wide receiver group, but maybe, maybe it is in the second or third round. You know, there's no, uh, there's no reason to guarantee that it's going to be in the first round. We just right. say there's, Three elite receivers. And the reason why we started talking about this in the first, uh, the first, uh, in the first place, there we go. The reason why I started talking about this in the first place was that we said that the Broncos have a couple positions where they have a chance to get an elite player at 15. And wide receiver was one of them. And that's why we started on the, the wide receiver train long ago. And that was before they started plugging all the holes outside of wide receiver and offensive line. Exactly. Mm -hmm. Bronco Duck. Gentlemen, assuming the top-tier tackles and receivers are off the board, are you open to taking C.J. Henderson over Mims, Jefferson, 
or Kinlaw. He seems to have elite potential and is extremely fluid. Having Boye and Henderson on the corners with Callahan in the slot seems really intriguing to me. What say you stay safe and go Broncos? Okay. Um, no, I'm not. No, I'm not uh, open to taking CJ Henderson. I, I don't have a use for him right now. Yeah, I'd rather wait and uh, look to Bryce Hall on day two. I think Bryce Hall might actually be a better fit for what Vic Fangio wants from his cornerbacks. If, if Jeff Akuda's there, okay, then yeah, <laughs> I'll, take, I'll take a cornerback. But other than that, you know, I've, I've, got, I've, got a, uh, I, I've got a decent enough cornerback group right now to not feel like I need to take a guy in the first round who is probably not even a true first-round pick. It, exactly, exactly how I feel. It, it would be a reach to me. Next one coming in from Rocky21, DNVR family. It is safe to say that the past couple of weeks have been difficult for me. I am a senior in high school and the social distancing is preventing me from spending my last few months of school with my friends and in the classroom. I had remained hopeful that I would be able to go back to school at some point. A couple of days ago, I learned that schools will not be reopening in my state. I was devastated. If staying home means that healthcare workers will have an easier time, then I'm more than willing to help. I came here to you guys about this because I know that the DNVR community is one of the closest anywhere on the internet. Well, you, this is absolutely a safe spot and a great place to come. And, and that's, you know, uh, that's what's so great about this community. And, and I'm so happy that you reached out to us, Rocky21. And man, I mean, I feel for all the seniors in high school and college, just how, how tough it is to not be able to live out your senior year. Yeah, senior athletes, too, in high school. If you're not going on to college, then if you're a spring sport athlete, you're losing everything right now. I mean, you'd be pointing toward this year, maybe your last shot to play competitively in a sport. And, uh, I mean, that's – in terms of the sports world, honestly, those are the, those are people I'm thinking about. But I'm also thinking about, again, all just all the rank-and-file seniors in, in high school because that was a fun time, I think, for all of us. I, if you didn't have fun – in that spring of your life, then you probably something probably went astray that you don't really want to talk about. And man, that's it's rough. It's and no no getting it back. And uh, you know, it's sad that this is part of the sacrifice. But uh, you know, everyone's making sacrifices right now. Yeah, and that, I was going to say a couple things. One, yeah, I have a buddy whose uh, brother had just made the final four uh, of the basketball tournament in Colorado, and they everything got canceled the day before they were supposed to play their semi-final game you know like for them they're probably just thinking like can we not please just play these two games and then shut everything down but so you know they they weren't able to finish that game off and, and that's such a bummer and I and I really feel for you Rocky 21 but you know I'll say this it sounds like you have a pretty good perspective on things when I was your age I probably wouldn't have had that good a perspective on things but I think the important thing to remember here is just that ev ev everyone has something that's being taken away from them right now that is really hurting them. Um, you know, for us, among just sports being gone, it was the bar. You know, we, we were so excited about the bar and uh, the uh, it, it got swept out from underneath us. So uh, hopefully, you know, we'll all get to go enjoy that eventually. And hopefully you'll get to hang out with your friends over the summer and all that stuff. But we, we totally feel you. And I think just about everyone around the world right now can relate to the uh, the pain that you're feeling by having that taken away from you. 
Yeah, it, it, exactly. And we're all in this together. Uh, next one from Montana Bronco. Hi, guys. No question. Just a quick comment. A couple of days ago, you were all making fun of the old guys in Zoom conferencing. Then, immediately after, Zach hits the mute before he finishes his comment. I don't, I don't think that could have happened. I don't think that could have happened because you guys wouldn't have heard me. Yeah. I, I think this is, I think this is just a, you know, a, a good story that you're telling here, Montana Bronco. He <laughs> says, I have a solution for the Broncos in the draft. They all rent houses on the same block, next door, across the street, etc. Then they can just stand on their front porches and yell at each other. That's the stay safe plan. P.S. Keep, keep uh, prompting Zoom. My stock has been falling lately. You know what? If they're going to be that close, let's get some empty cans, get some string, and then you have a network of string telephones that are stretching across the street and so and then you just kind of basically get out some uh, some tape and and then write on there okay this can is the Vic phone this can is the Matt Russell phone this can is the AJ Durso phone and on and on and on and then you just know which one to pick up <laughs> I'm question. saying Mace do you know how the string phone works why is that how does that work uh, sound travels through, there are sound waves that can go through the string. Unbelievable. Yeah, that is, that is absolutely incredible. If they're yeah, going my, to do My daughter this and I were talking about it a couple of days ago, actually, because she wanted to know if we could find a piece of string long enough to uh, connect her with some of her friends that uh, she can only see <laughs> on her Zoom classrooms, right? Now. <laughs> oh. my, my guess is Zoom probably has a little better audio quality for long distance. I would think so, too. Mace, can't you set up some side Zoom calls for her and her friends? That's what we're working on. We've just kind of got the get the network of, uh, of numbers because, of course, for some, it's not as simple as their phone number. It's their, uh, it's their email account. So we're trying to uh, uh, reach out to some of the parents and, uh, and, just, and get, get our uh, accounts squared away. And then it's a matter of setting up the time. But uh, even then... Even even then, you don't know how long it's going to last because kids want to play together, and it's you know, it's it's hard. They get bored just talking after a while, even though they all miss each other. And by the way, I wonder if the Zoom stock uh, falling is because of the stuff uh, about people supposedly hacking into it, which is why, according to Peter King, a lot of NFL teams looking at Microsoft Teams and not Zoom for their uh, conferencing. Shouldn't they have been looking into that in the first place since Microsoft sponsors the NFL? <laughs> Ideally, but there, there are all sorts of things that they're kind of sorting through and they're figuring out and they're realizing, oh, uh, this is a problem day by day. Uh, yesterday, for example, there were reports that executives and coaches are concerned about having IT people come into their houses and set, and, and set up systems because, of course – COVID-19 and the risk of uh, having additional people in your house. This is, in my opinion, 100% a ploy for teams who don't want the draft to happen digitally to try and just muddy the waters and get, and get it pushed back. Because mm -hmm. anyone who works in IT knows that you don't have to go to someone's house. Right. Up their if they computer. have an internet connection, they, and, 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 and teams are sending their people devices if they don't have exactly what they need. They're sending them an extra iPad, an extra Microsoft Surface, whatever they need. They're, they're making it easy for them. I mean, I think but like they there, just... there's also a point that, that I think people have made, and that is with everyone having to adjust, they can't too. 
I know exactly. And, and again, an IT guy can just go into your computer remotely and, and literally take over everything that you're doing and just do everything for you right then and there. And at least with the Broncos, well, no, 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 wait, they've been, every team has been out of their building for three weeks as of yesterday. So I thought all, at least for the Broncos, all the IT guys have already set all of the Broncos up three weeks ago. So I would imagine every other team has been set up these past three weeks and not just not doing anything. Yeah, exactly. It's a, it's a sham. So don't listen to it. (laughs) All right. Last question here. Oh, actually there's probably more. There's a couple um, more. Yep. Okay. From DTL. Hey guys, do you think this mock draft, the uh, the NFL is going to get players' hopes up and in turn hurt their feelings when it doesn't come out the same? Uh, and Mace, my brother Denzel at 15, you like that disgusting vinegar barbecue of the Carolinas losing a slot, losing slot of credibility, my man. Uh, <laughs> well, I will not take that. Yeah, I will not take that impugning of Eastern North Carolina vinegar-based barbecue. You take that back. <laughs> um, and, that's family and, food we're talking about here. That's that's <laughs> generations of, of poor Masons learning barbecue. <laughs> I wish I and understood it, what he said. Yeah, I have no idea either. I think what he I, doesn't. He he. Uh, Basically, he says, I'm losing credibility because I picked Denzel Mims at 15 and I like my uh, vinegar-based uh, barbecue. Man, barbecue fork. sounds great right now. Look, yes. I, RK, someday I want to take you on a barbecue tour of the Carolinas. Dude, I'm in. I, I, you would, yeah. <laughs> You'd come back weighing 10 pounds more and you wouldn't regret, and you wouldn't regret a pound. Yeah. <laughs> it only takes me like two weeks to lose that on keto so <laughs> there you go next one coming in from onion booty booty thank you bronco we discussed von miller's get off yesterday it seems like he wasn't coming off the ball as aggressively and consistently last year than in previous years did you guys notice that too was that a product of the new scheme or a lack of confidence or a change in playing style or what it really irked me please help love Onion. Booty. Didn't we touch on this a little bit yesterday, Zach? And Yeah, I thought, I thought about, we talked about this. Yeah, with Vic emphasizing they didn't want to see offside penalties from mm. Von Miller, that he didn't view that as a valid part of the equation of getting to a quarterback, that Von may have been a little bit hesitant because he wanted to avoid those interactions. Yep, yep. It, it, did, it did feel like that. Um, and uh, – and you can't have 16 offside penalties in a season. You can't average one per game. And, and that, it seems like, got the message from Vic got to him. Because we know with Vance the year before that, there was a, a little seemingly a butting of heads in terms of how to approach that. That's, that's very true. All right, uh, we've got next one here is from Super Bowling. Yep. Big shout out to Xbox Madden League Commissioner Timmy. He's been a great help with getting the PS4 League up and running. We draft tomorrow, and we have roughly 10 or more open slots. Can't wait to watch this thing derail. Good job, Timmy, and good job. Way to go. Yes. Uh, and, and reach out to Super Bowl if you have PS4 and you want to get in on the Madden League. So says, looking for someone who can help co-commission and help run the league website. The longer this virus is around means the more I will be needed at work, but I want to see this thing succeed. Stay safe and stay healthy, DNVR fan. There you go. Go reach out to Super Bowl. And, uh, and great job, by the way. Uh, I, I for Timmy for getting that started as well. That's tremendous. And finally, true champ fan 24. 
Mace, have you seen the NFL throwback video of Allstott? Pretty awesome little interview with him. Plus, it's like 12 minutes of him running through MFers faces, as Beast Mode put it. I know this is a Broncos pod, but Mace, what would you say the chances are of Rondé Barber ever making the Hall of Fame? He's by far the most underrated corner of all time. He played the ball so well, loved to tackle and get after the QB. Truly one of my favorite players of all time. I love Rondé Barber as well. And I think he will work his way into the discussion in time. He's a little bit forgotten. I I feel like Rondé Barber's resume is being overlooked kind of like Steve Atwater's was for a long time. So maybe what happens with Rondé is he emerges in about 10, 10 years or so as somebody who's, who's a finalist. Very e- excellent player and wouldn't surprise me if some days in the Hall of Fame. Right now, it doesn't appear like there's a lot of momentum for him. And that'll do it for the DNVR Bucks podcast for today. <laughs> and to wrap up the Broncos podcast, we've got one more coming in from Puget Sound Bronco. Hey, guys, been listening to you guys for about a year and a half now and was recently lucky enough to be gifted a subscription. Yay. Thank you, anonymous donor. And I, I don't have... say, Real quick, I can say there were two anonymous donors. One of the anonymous donors was a Broncos guy, a Broncos podcast listener. So you know who you are. Thank you so much for your contributions to that. Yeah, it's so freaking mm. cool. I mean, that, that just shows what this community is all about. So thank you. I don't have anything Broncos related today, but just thought I'd comment and introduce myself to the group. As my name suggests, I live in Washington State, and I can't stand the Seahawks, especially since Super Bowl 48. Anyway, thank you for all you guys do to help keep our minds off this difficult time we're all going through. You guys rock. Wow, really appreciate that, and I'm glad you've been riding with us. And again, thanks to the anonymous donor who made that possible. And uh, you know, hopefully when all this settles, we like my, my family, we like to visit uh, the Seattle area every now and again. So hopefully uh, – Things will work out. We can get back up there and uh, maybe uh, hang out for a little bit, have a brick brew. All right. Sounds great to me. Shout out to Puget Sound Broncos. Shout out to the donors who purchased 25 subscriptions between two of them. Really, really amazing stuff. So appreciate all you guys. Appreciate you for listening. And appreciate Davidson's, which has two locations, one in Centennial, one in Highlands Ranch, to keep you stocked up during this time. I personally just doubled down on my stock, so I've got uh, I've got whiskey for days, thanks to Davidson's. So uh, appreciate them, and uh, hope that everyone has a great rest of your day. Make sure you check, tune in for our mock draft right around one o'clock, and uh, if not, we'll see you tomorrow. Zach.